God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever in this moment, whosoever in their bed, in their suffering, in their fear, in their famine, and in their homes, and in their sheltering in place, calls on him, will be saved. Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of San Francisco's Sermon Podcast. This is a message from our worship service on Sunday mornings in downtown San Francisco. This podcast is a ministry of our church, and we're praying it's useful for you and for the kingdom, for the praise of His glory. Today's passage is from John chapter 17, verses 1 through 13. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh, to give eternal life to all those you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, who you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people who you gave me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For I have given them the word you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you gave me, for they are yours. All those who are mine are yours, and those who are yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you gave me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be, to Thanks be to God. Good morning, everybody. Let me, I want to, I want to uh, thank you for leading us in prayer, Frankie. Let me, I want to cry out to God right now. I have this sense that I want, I just want to do that. Father, I, I ask for the Holy Spirit to fill me and fill, fill us all. We all need you. And, and I, I, all of a sudden just, uh, I just felt insecure about this and I don't know why. So Holy Spirit, come and remove all that and come and, Speak a good word to us from your scripture, and fill me for and uh, and forgive the one, the sins of the one who speaks, for they are many. And we pray this in Jesus' name, Amen. Uh, here's our text in front of us, and you know I'm, I'm adopting a a process here where I just want to I want to do this like deep dive where 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 um, we're really focusing on little little parts and bits of this prayer. The, this, as I've said before, I have this sense that we have, we're moving. We're moving, even in the book of John, we're moving from discourse where, where Christ is teaching somebody else or we're engaged in what is a, a human dialogue 
And all of a sudden, this isn't anymore. All of a sudden, this is holy. I, I, you know, there's a scene in the Old Testament where, where, where God appears to Moses, and he tells Moses to take his shoes off. Now, it's funny. I bet you most of us have our shoes off because we're sitting at home. So maybe we're all in a good spot already. But, uh, but we, I feel like we're in a place that this is so holy. It's so utterly, it's almost alien and strange. In, in its tone, in its, in, in its subject. And, but it bears so deeply on us right now, I think. And especially, I want to look at this, at this particular idea, this particular concept that's here in the text. And uh, I want you to look at it with me. It's this, it's this um, um, right here where it's, I don't know why I want to do that, darn it. All right, we'll do it this way. And it's this right here where you have given him authority over all flesh. You, and he's talking to his father. This is Jesus, the son, talking, the son of God, the God, the son, talking to God, the father. And he said, you have, get, you have given. And uh, he refers to himself even in the third person, which is kind of awkward. It's not, it's not common. Uh, but, but, but uh, you know, in, in this eternal dialogue, these eternal conversations, uh, the Trinity does refer to itself like himself that way. It, it makes sense. And it's, uh, it's such a lofty kind of conversation. And Christ is trying to bring eternal conversation into a dialogue that you and I can interact with. Well, that's, that's, a, that's a tall order. Well, anyway, this uh, give him authority. And that's where I, I want us to park today. And, and I want us to open as much as we can out of that. And what I want to make a claim about here, and you'll see it's authority over all flesh. And what I begin with this is that Christ, and this is something very important for us in this story. We're going to go into Christ before the high priest, Christ on the cross, Christ suffering, Christ beaten, Christ disfigured. And this sometimes happens even in, 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 in some versions in Hollywood of, of the passion of Christ, as it's called, where, where, that, where Christ looks like the ultimate victim. And I, I want you to hear here that Christ does not consider himself to be a victim. He isn't subject to that. In fact, uh, he even says earlier in John, I give up my life by my own authority. He is acting as a king, and he's never more regal than when he's being poked and prodded and whipped. It's very, very hard for us to see that, very hard for to grasp it, but that this is the exercise of an authority with such restraint. Constrained by what? By love for us, by desire for us to save us. It's really kind of remarkable. I, I, but, but we can't miss this. Christ is not a victim. He is, he is going with his majesty and tact. And um, I, I, I wonder, you know, it's, it's strange for us to imagine even the angels being startled, everybody being kind of, what is going on here? But he is not a victim. He is the king of kings. And the Lord of Lords, and this is what he's this is what he's uh, claiming right here, and 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 he says this again. Uh, we'll see uh, at, at, after the resurrection, uh, but this is a, a crucial time where authority, where Christ had this authority as a pre-existent son, but it's a cosmic authority. Take a look here uh, at the all the places I highlighted highlighted the word wor world. It's right here and here and here. Well, you remember there's four instances here, but at least I haven't missed any. Um, the, remember what the word is here for these. It's the word cosmos. It's the word cosmos in Greek. And we, and we, we we're very familiar with this word. Uh, and, it's, and it means the universe. It means everything. And I want you to miss this. Christ is claiming, and Christ has 
cosmic authority. Cosmic authority over all things, all flesh, as it says here. And what does that mean? Every human being, all of us, absolute authority. Now, the cosmic authority of our Lord Jesus Christ is before us. And that's what's being set before us here in this high priestly prayer. So our call is to see him and trust him. Now, um, I want you to see, there's something bald and bold about this claim. Um, here it is. Uh, let's look at, we'll look at these texts right here. And there's something bald and bold. Well, Christ just said, he says all authority. And there he is at the ascension, right there. All authority in heaven. There's a bold and bald claim. Please don't miss this. You know, Christ's self-awareness and his self-identification he, he walked clothed with this. You know, it's funny. Uh, people have, at times, uh, liked Jesus. Uh, Jesus is just all right with me, as the Doobie Brothers sang years ago. Uh, and, and it's funny. Uh, Jesus can be taken uh, uh, as okay by some people, a good teacher or, or, a, or, a, or some sort of uh, religious prophet. But, you know, the claim is bald and bold. He, he does not think of him as such. He thinks of himself as having absolute cosmic authority in heaven and earth. It's, it's, it's startling. It's just, and, and, and if, you don't, if you don't pay attention to it, you might miss it. And it's one of those things that you can't really have Jesus as a buddy or a friend or a teacher if you don't recognize him in the beauty and the boldness and the, the, the clarity of his claims. Don't miss this. Don't miss, too, that it's an ancient claim. Look, look up here. Daniel's vision. I, I love Daniel's vision. I watched the nights. We started our worship last, the last uh, uh, about a month or so with this text from Daniel 7, quite intentionally, because I thought, look at this. This is, this is the early echo, some 700 years, 600 years before this event, before Christ praying this before his disciples. Daniel had a vision. Daniel had a vision. And what did he see? He saw coming of the Son of Man. This is what Christ called himself. Remember, this is his self-designation. The Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven, that's what Christ called himself. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. To the Son of Man was given by the Ancient of Days dominion, glory, and kingship. What did Daniel see? He sees something resplendent, right? Something beautiful. But, but Christ is claiming that's happening right there as he's talking to the disciples, too. And, and, and there's something real happening here as he goes to the cross. Pretty amazing. It's a, it's a place where that authority is put on display. But see, not only is Christ bald and bold and open and un unflinching in proclaiming himself as the king of kings, here we see that's a claim that Daniel made. That's a claim all scriptures make. It's an ancient claim as well as his personal claim. And then finally, I want us to see here in Colossians 1, 15 through 19. Look at the beauty of this. He is the image of the invisible God. We could have, I could have taken Hebrews 1 or there's other texts that, 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 that start to exalt him. And there is an unembarrassed supernaturalism in the New Testament that just purely designs and desires to exalt Jesus Christ. All right. So I, 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 whether dominions or thrones or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. Oh, magnificent, right? You know, it always, I always ask this question. Uh, here, I, I hope you hear his call, <laughs> and, and uh, you've gotten Christ big enough. When Christ is large enough, when he, when he, when he, when he, when he is magnificent to us, when we, see, when we begin to perceive what this means, oh, what, a, what an invitation to worship, to confidence, to joy. Now, that's all happening here. And, and I want you to know something else. We in our, of a practice in our church, 
in our worship. And if you were paying attention when I was going through it, maybe you've noticed and never thought about it. But every, every reference to Christ or to God is capitalized. The pronouns are capitalized. Why? Well, that, that, was, an old, that was an old custom in some translations. Um, New American Standard does it and others. And I think it's, a, it's, it's what we're, we're trying to get at here even in our, in our worship and why, why I always do it. I have to go back and change things if I use ESV or others. And, and I do it because we live in such an irreverent age. <laughs> I'm not, there's no command that we have to capitalize his name, but we live in an irreverent time. And the irreverence of our days and our times, you know, Christ is pictured in cartoon and, you know, memes and stuff like that. We forget. And, and, and let us, I, I want us to call us to reverence again. This is a time to be reverent. And, and it's a time to correct, I think, some of that casualness of our generation. And, and, and to hear it and, and to see it and to know him as it's possible to now. But I want you to go even further than this because something really struck me about this. I want you to see his majesty and his judgment and his complete authority over all things right now today. Why? Well, that's the way the scriptures understand it. That's why they describe. I'm going to turn to Revelation. And uh, at the fear of people thinking that I have gone, I'm going apocalyptic, that's fine. We live in what seems like the apocalyptic echoes of this passage are around us. And I want you to see who's enthroned. This is Revelation 6, and, and all the praise is happening in heaven. This is where things start getting strange and seals are open. I'm not going to talk about all that. But I want you to notice, look, look at each time here. Who is on the throne? The Lamb. Who opens the seal? The Lamb. Who opens the seal? The Lamb. Who opens the seal of the Lamb? Who's this Lamb? It's Jesus. And I don't know if I can really, I can't really write through a while. Uh, it's Jesus, right? Now, this is all, this text then, its primary thrust through is what? Christ has authority over all flesh. He's the one. Now, this sovereignty can be kind of jarring, but I, I don't want it to be because what it's meant to be, what's meant to do is comfort us. In other words, nothing. In other words, the world is not out of control. It feels like it is, but it's not. It's been predicted, and the Lamb, Christ himself, its cosmic authority is being exercised. This becomes very, very clear. Well, you know the horsemen, the four horsemen. I made the joke, uh, McLaren, I was hoping he would get on this. He was going to try to get on this. Uh, uh, it's kind of a big reunion happening on, on Zoom. It's kind of fun, and uh, it's great to have uh, people from all over the world <laughs> connecting. But, but, um, but. Uh, we were talking about, it, and I said, I made the comment, you know, all these bad things happening right now as we speak, and we're watching the news and everything. You get the sense maybe the four horsemen. I don't know if you've ever heard of the four horsemen, but many, it's a meme even in our culture, even in our culture's uh, uh, comedy and uh, thinking. The four horsemen of the apocalypse are coming. And I said, maybe they're not out of the, maybe they're not out of the barn, but it sounds like they're making a fuss in there. In other words, I don't know if this is the end of days, and I'm not claiming such, but we are tasting some of those things, aren't we? But look at the horses, the white horse, the red horse, the black horse, and the pale horse. And as I was reading this, it just, it really assaulted me in a way that, oh my goodness, look at this, conquering into conquer. What's the first? The first one is war, war, and war is happening. In fact, war is now erupting again in Iraq in terrible ways and all over the world. Look at the second seal, taking peace from the earth. This other, this next judgment, everybody, one of the most popular things to talk about is the polarization in our society between left and right and between different parties, as if somehow peace has been taken out of the equation, even the possibility. 
people would think that maybe the virus would unite us, and it doesn't. Isn't that strange? Well, what's happening? What is going on? Why are we, what is, what is the crisis here? Where does it come from? Well, it does come in some way, in some fashion, it is under the authority of Christ over all flesh. It's his cosmic authority. Look at the third seal here, the black horse. Now, you may not get this reference, a quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarts of barley for a denarius. You know what that is? That's price gouging. And I've heard the stories, and you've heard them, and they're, they're right for the news. Uh, my son Alex told me, a friend of a friend of his, was they, they, they were all, then we knew what to do because this guy had hoarded masks and was selling them at high prices right over in Oakland. And uh, Alex was telling his friend, you got to get on that. It's terrible. And profiteering. Isn't it interesting that, that price gouging is one of the things that we're seeing right now? And you see this where it says here, and do not harm the oil and wine. That was a reference that when the famine happened under the emperor Domitian, that the rich people would not permit their oil vineyards, their, their olive vineyards or their wine vineyards to be used for food. And they were, and they were, and that's actually a reference to that. It's really remarkable where the rich begin to consolidate their wealth. We've seen that with men and women uh, profiteering off of the virus by selling their stocks and stuff. Oh my goodness, what's going on? Don't hard, don't don't touch our stuff. And now look at the last one: famine and pestilence. I, I don't know if you know this or not, but the, the worst famine in over fifty years has just has just hit uh, Africa by by locusts. One of the worst locust swarms in uh, in, uh, in in living memory, and it's on its way from Africa to Iran to India. And they expect it will it will result in the suffering of millions. All of this is happening in real time right now as I'm talking. And then we have the virus, the pestilence, right here. That's what that was talking about, some sort of uh, uh, disease. That's one of the general references of that word. What? Chris, I've gone apocalyptic, haven't I? <laughs> don't, be, don't be worried, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. What? Why am I doing this? Why am I talking about all this? Well, some of you might think if Christ is responsible, if Christ has some cosmic authority, then we can lay blame at his feet. Perhaps, perhaps that is how you receive this. But I want you to notice something here. I want you to notice the lamb is doing this. Look at the, who is doing this? The lamb. What is the lamb? The lamb is a picture of Christ crucified as the Savior. What I want to go on to this is take a look at this. What has Christ gotten all this authority, even over all of these terrible things? What is it that authority to do? Not only does Christ have cosmic authority, he has cosmic authority for a particular purpose. Why? And what is it? It's to give. What is give? What does that mean? It's the gift of grace. It's the gift of love, guys. It's, this is a setup. We have to understand God's judgments are, are really preludes and opportunities and, 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 and a gesture it's the lamb who does these things. And what that means is that there's, there's opportunities even in this for a renewal and revival and to know him. You know, I, it, it, it strikes me, it's a, it, you know, this cosmic authority, you know, it's so backwards. You think, oh, cosmic authority is going to judge. And then you have this picture of some Armageddon or some sort of, a, a, well, that, that's, those are all later things. Right now, when, 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 when terrible things are happening, Christ is, has authority to do something different, and that is to lovingly offer grace at the cross and the opportunity to know him. Don't miss this. Christ bends all that cosmic authority into what? 
serving you and I in prayer as we lifted these requests today. Oh, my goodness. Why do we pray in his name? Why? It's only because of a confidence about his cosmic authority. Now, you know, something's going to happen here. I've already heard rumbles about it. And I, I want to give you some counsel about this. Do not listen to people who tell you this is the judgment of God on sin. And usually if they say sin, they're going to point out their pet peeve sin in America or this generation. Do not listen to them. But also, do not listen to people who say this is not the judgment of God. Don't listen to either one. Instead, the believer says, I deserve this judgment, and he has shown me mercy. How many millions, how many millions more? Will he demonstrate mercy for even now? It's kind of interesting, you know. We, you know, uh, the, uh, some guys, uh, some some teachers and leaders and prophets love to, or people love to either deny that Christ could have anything to do with this, or or affirm that this is we're all getting our comeuppance for for being such a naughty a naughty nation or something. It's just all nobody can speak for God that way. Nobody has that authority. Nobody has that clarity. Nobody has a, thus saith the Lord like that because uh, we're not given that in this generation. But we have a thus saith the Lord about this. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever in this moment, whosoever in their bed, in their suffering, in their fear, in their famine, and in their homes, and in their sheltering in place, calls on him, will be saved. Oh, there's something precious here. There's something preciously operative. And, and we have been deputized by his authority. That was something that was in that Matthew 28 and elsewhere. We've been deputized. And in a sense, we have partaken that authority. And what are we supposed to do? Even if we, as we've been given authority in this world, you'll see Christians sometimes crassly say, I have authority, and they, they somehow try to act like, you know, God's going to do what they say. We don't have authority to do that. But we do have authority to serve and love sacrificially. We do have authority to surrender. We do have authority to offer peace. We do have authority to offer the comfort that comes by faith in Jesus. So I, 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 I'm excited in one sense, and I want you to, to see this free grace for what it is, and, and, and let, let us grab it. We in leadership in our community, in our church, that this is telling us, isn't it? Isn't this just become a, a, a form now, a, a way for us to understand what leadership is in the kingdom? You know, Christ says, all cosmic authority has been given to him. And what's the next phrase? To give. <laughs> what a beautiful Savior. The cosmic authority of our Lord Jesus Christ is to give. It all serves the magnitude and beauty of his grace. His majesty, his judgments, his authority, and his sovereignty are what? All servants of his grace. And that's what that word gift, give means. It's the gift of God. That's what, that's what his love is. It's a gift of God to sinners who put their trust in him. Oh, what joy we have in this. Oh, what joy. So as we kind of unpack this now, uh, I want us to come to the final part. And that, so we've seen he has a cosmic authority of our Lord Jesus Christ. See him and trust him for who he is. And mark it, mark well, that the, that the lamb does have authority to open these seals. But it's the lamb who's doing it. And so that means there's an offer of grace, incipient and and, and inherent and, and, and alive and, and ready to, to, to sprout. Let's pray for that and let's hope for that and look for it with eager eyes to see his love. But finally, his cosmic authority is to do one more thing. 
in, uh, oh, wait, uh, oh, wait, before I even go there, I went back to that Colossians passage, just so you can see it. It, it look, the, the, this is all, this is this big authority passage we looked at later, earlier. Look at verse 20. What is all this authority for? To reconcile himself, to himself all things, to make peace by the blood of the cross. <laughs> That's gorgeous. Man, well, don't you wish that Christians, when they ever had authority or wanted authority or seized authority, that that was all that they wanted to do? <laughs> you know, we, there's a test in that, but we'll talk more about that another time. But let's go on now to see. So he has cosmic authority. It's all been given to him over all flesh. We must acknowledge he is on the throne. Nothing has happened apart from his will. Now we realize that his will, though, is animated by the desire to show love and mercy and grace to thousands of them who love him and, and keep his commandments. And we are, we are now, we can be deputized in this, not to figure out his judgments and figure out who they apply to, but to ask ourselves that question again. I deserve this judgment, and he showed me unlimited mercy. That's our, that's our message to the world. I deserve these things, and I was not treated as I deserve because of the cross. Faith in Christ, Christ is a substitute there. He's a substitute for us, and all, uh, any, all the judgments of God came on him, and, and if you're in him and know him, you're free, and all that's been transferred, and uh, it, there's beauty. Now, but there's a, it gets more specific than that. It's, it is to give eternal life, and I want you to see this. <laughs> There's a certainty and a beauty, an indestructibility, uh, and, a, and, a, and an explosive beauty here to eternal life. Now, um, first of all, you see having accomplished the work. Look at the tense there, having accomplished. But he hasn't done yet. He hasn't gone to the cross yet. Doesn't matter. See, Christ having set his mind as the cosmic authority, as the cosmic authority, having all this, this authority, just the fact that he intends to go, nothing will stop. Nothing will stop him. Nothing will stop him today. And so uh, he can talk about something in the future, in the past. <laughs> I love this. It talks about the certainty that we have of eternal life. Look at this down here in verse 13. These things I speak in the world, that you may have joy. You know what that is? Christ is appropriating an old promise from Isaiah 55. My word does not return void. That's who he is. He is. He's even saying his word is living. In other words, it's not merely like the information gives you joy. He has spoken into the world. He has spoken this truth about his, his, his authority. And just him speaking, he's speaking through me now. That is him giving you the opportunity for joy, giving us the opportunity for joy. And, not, and, and, it's, and it's alive. It's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's real and powerful just because he says it. You see? Christ is not, you have to understand, Christ has so much authority. He, isn't, he doesn't like ruminate and think, and go, oh, here's some truth and Here's some truth to make you happy, or here's some truth to make you joyful. No, no, he has spoken. And because he has literally spoken those syllables into the world, guess what? There's no joy. Joy for us to have in our eternal life. Now, I know eternal life is one of those abstract things that, that unfortunately, uh, I, I've been trying to get at. I've been trying to force my way into it and get it into our hearts the way I've been using it, I've been calling about it, it's God's own life. That's why I've been describing it. It's the life God has in himself from eternity past to eternity future. Guess what? That's yours. If you notice, if we looked at that previous verse, it's in the present tense. This is eternal life. It's something we have now in our knowledge of him. What is this? God's own life. 
Uh, you know what? Let's take a look. At, we're going to end with this and 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 end with this joy and and so, and some more observations about this. But look at First Corinthians two. You may have heard this uh, passage. Would no eye has seen, or ears heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. Amen. That's just, it's actually a quote from Isaiah as well. But but look here in verse ten. It says though, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. Well, where did he reveal any of this, really? Well, it's kind of funny. Now, Matthew and Mark don't really tell us much about after the resurrection. So Christ, every, all the Gospels, the is actually the biggest section of every Gospel is a description of Christ's crucifixion. And, and, and it, 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 it occupies a huge amount of the text and the narrative. But Matthew and Mark kind of end very quickly after the resurrection. And... Uh, and and but wonderfully, but they but they end very abruptly. But Luke, Luke was a doctor, we know that. Luke has some interests about this, and he he's interested in talking a little bit about the interaction with the disciples. And now we also know John, who is the author of our present book. John wrote his book last, he wrote it late. And uh, I think he reflected on the first three gospels and wanted to share even more details. And he does, he gives more details. Well, here we have Luke, and, and, and uh, he talks about, uh, look, the touch me and see, and I have flesh and bones. And then Christ has this wonderful question in verse 41, I put in bold. Uh, Do you have anything around here to eat? <laughs> so they give him some royal fish, and he took it and ate in front. And then, uh, but then look 29, Luke, uh, John, John tells that same story from Luke, and then adds more a few days later. And this is uh, all the disciples, are, some, of the disciples, some of the disciples, I'm sorry, are fishing, and Christ is on the beach, and he says, uh, and he calls out, and then they, anyway, they run to see him. When they got to the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place, the fish on it, bread. And this is, this is Jesus' words. Hey, come and have some breakfast. Did you ever think of Jesus as a cook? I, I know I never have. I just, I just, just, just hit me. Breakfast is one of my favorite meals, and the idea that Jesus likes to cook breakfast, and the fact that I like to eat it, I see a meeting point in eternal life. What am I talking about? Well, something's happening here in the vividness of Christ's resurrected flesh and the things he engages in and it does and the way he interacts. Actually, there's a bunch of investigation in the Luke passage. He told, they told him what happened in the road to talk about this discussion they had with him on the road to Emmaus. Now, let's just, what's this teasing something out here? Well, what's teasing out here is that eternal life is, 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 is what this is suggesting is a rich, amazing life. Look, or do you like the fish? Guess what? Do you like the fish? You get to do that in eternity. Huh? I thought we were just going to be on clouds strumming harps and praising. Oh, that'll be a part of it, I suppose. But that's not all of it, because that's not all of who we are. It's not all of how Jesus interacts in the world in his resurrection. This, stuff, this gets really cool. All right, so there's discussions about the Bible. Well, that means that a part of resurrected life is investigation and conversation with friends. What else is feasting, eating together? What else is here? Uh, cooking, uh, fishing, building. Well, there's a, you know, again and again, heaven's described as a city. Well, who built it? Who do you think built it? We build it. Do you like to build? Do you like to put things together? Do you like to, do you like to get like Jack and, 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 and play with your 3D printer? Well, Jesus is all over this. That's wonderful. Those joys intersect the joys of painting and, and, and art and poetry and writing and, 
and investigation, cosmology. Do you like, do you like physics? Guess what? All the things that we have enjoyed and lived for and wanted here, they continue there. That's what these are, that's what this text is, is, is intimating to us. And why am I sharing all this? Because I want us, and when we're in a crisis like this, and I, and I preached about that first point, which can seem kind of forbidding, Christ is an authority, and the Lamb opens the seals, this cosmic authority. Wow, it's kind of dark, Chris. Then we learn that it's authority to love, that he wants to demonstrate, even, as he, even in these terrible things. Oh, okay, I'm with you, Chris. That's kind of an interesting twist on it. And uh, he calls us to love the same way. Then it gets better. The authority is not just to give and, and, and to have grace given as a gift. It's an authority to give us a new kind of life. In other words, when we're enjoying things here that we love, uh, when, when Ted's sitting there playing his guitar and, uh, and, we, and we get to hear a will leading worship and we get to hear the beauty of, of, of the violin from, from Joyce, what, what's happening? Well, those are just, those are little tastes. That's it. We get to enjoy those performances there too. And so all these things, what's banging around in our lives and in our actions and our, in our loves and the things we share and the passions we have is investigate. Do you like astrophysics? Well, guess what? There's a hundred billion galaxies out there to look at, look at, to investigate. And apparently from what we can tell, that's going to become real. That's going to become possible. I want to do that. Do you want to do that? Eternal life is such a great promise when we start to fill it in with the details of Scripture. All of God's life for us and in us forever together. I mean, it just gets better and better. And no tears, no more pain. And I'll have that body back that I had when I was 22. I, can, I just can't wait because this has gone to pot. But even as I say that, I want us to add with one more point about this. No fear. Um, uh, Isaiah 43. Oh, gosh, this is just giving me chills. I, let me tell you a story. I, the reason I really went to this, because this is what eternal life is indestructible. Um, I called Miguel this week, and um, I was trying to explain to him that he, he, could, he could log into this. And I, that just didn't get it. And he's like, no, that's, that's right. And, and he, he said, I've already got a church to go to. On, on, oh, oh, I, can, I can tune into. I'm like, okay. And I was talking to him, and of course, Miguel just keeps talking. He's talking to me about this. And if you don't know who Miguel is, he's, he's about this. He used to be a jockey, so you have no idea what his stature is. He's from Puerto Rico. And he loves Jesus. He just loves God. He, just, he won't stop talking about God. And he said, you know, my neighbor, my neighbor asked me, you know, why don't you wear a mask? And I was like, uh, yeah, well, what'd you say? So I told him, I, I have the angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord is with me. I don't, why do you wear a mask? <laughs> Now, <laughs> there's some part of me that was like, well, maybe I should encourage Miguel to wear a mask. I mean, it's, 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 it's wise, it's good, it protects others and stuff like that. But I didn't. You know why? Because I, I, there's something holy about a confidence of an old believer. He's in his 70s. And an old believer who says, I believe in God's presence with me. I am not afraid. And I, I was kind of startled by it. And I... I didn't, he said it three times he told me the story. You know, my neighbor asked me, why don't you wear a mask? And I, I told him, the angel of the Lord encamps around me. And I'm, and you know, and I, I'm not saying you shouldn't wear a mask. We should, I should, if we have to in certain circumstances and all those things. It's not about this. It's just about that blessed attitude of indestructibility because Miguel's not afraid of death. He said, what do I care? I'm ready to die. That's, that's indestructible.
And, and, and so God's own life that we've been offered by faith in Jesus, God's own life, the cosmic authority of Christ was to give what? Us that indestructibility, as it were. You know, it's funny. Um, um, we value life. That's one of the reasons why we value life so deeply in every way we can as believers. We believe life is a gift from God, and we, and we, and we chase it, and we pursue it, and we, and we will help others in need. But even in this time of fear and fear of death, you know what Christians have always been known for, and we will be known for because of the authority of Christ, is that uh, we, we have this life, we can hold our own lives, we can value all life, and we can hold our own lives loosely. That's what this means. Where we, uh, I was listening to uh, Joe Pug, a favorite uh, um, um, folk singer, um, uh, who did a live show last night when I was working on this, and he sang this song, you are not fragile. And I, 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 I sometimes I feel like I am, you know, I, I if I feel like very out of, out of, I have no power here, you know, and, uh, uh, but, but I want to tell you, I think this is from the Lord. Uh, the cosmic authority that was given to Jesus Christ over all flesh was to give as great, out of his grace, eternal life to those who, who, who know him, those who call on him. And I, I think that, that I need to tell you, you're not fragile. In fact, I'll go even further than that. You're not a victim either. Jesus wasn't a victim and neither way. And we ought not to act like we are. We ought to act like we're free. And um, I will wear a mask to serve others and love others and protect them and things like that. And, and uh, when I, when needed, but, but there's something really freeing here and something beautiful that leads us into praise. And it leads me into the throne room again. And I hear Christ's bald, bold assertion, his ancient assertion from Daniel, that he has cosmic authority over everything. Praise him. Praise him. Let's pray. Father, I want to give you glory and honor and thanks for the authority that you gave the Son the authority to open those seals, but the authority, to, the authority to heal the nations, the authority to give your to give, which we just give just means a free gift of grace. Father, we taught us the wages of sin, and we're working for our salvation is death, but the gift, your gift, is eternal life through Jesus. How we praise and bless your name that. His eternal life is available to us by faith now as a gift. And, uh, and we, can, we, can live in such a, we can live in such joy, some, such vivid joy now, uh, anticipating joys to come. We can live an indestructible, with an indestructible attitude, and we can live free. Uh, we are not victims. <laughs> and we are, uh, we are not fragile. And uh, how we praise you for your word. And we thank you for the, the, the message of your word. How we praise you on that dark night before you were arrested and suffered. You said these words so that they can ring true on dark nights today. And we can hear them thousands of years later and know, oh, this is the living God we worship. And he is on the throne. Father, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would take these words and you would take this message and you would take the scripture and you would, uh, you would just, you would, Give it to our hearts. Help us to hear deeply what you're saying to us. 
and your in your sovereignty, what you're saying to us in your will, what you're saying to us in your love, what you're saying to us in your grace, and what you're promising us, and even now giving us in your own life, your eternal life. We're only going to get that if the Holy Spirit wills it, Father, and does it. So go and do it through all this medium and through everything we're doing as we now turn to praise you, as we turn to affirm you, affirm what we believe. We, we, we regret we can't eat the bread and drink the wine together. But, um, you know, this is, this is the way it is. And if our, even if our fellowship is not satisfying to us as we want it to be, uh, we look forward to a, a day coming soon when we will again break bread together uh, as you will and as you order and ordain. Uh, now, Father, as we come to you, hear us as we proclaim our, uh, our, what we believe in the mystery of faith, as we proclaim our, uh, what, we, uh, what we believe in the creed, as we sing uh, forward for, and we thank you so much for this opportunity. I, I heard it today. This is a, this Zoom thing. It's a gift from you, and YouTube, wherever this is going. This is a gift from you, and we acknowledge that you are the one who created tech for your own glory, and uh, and here you are getting glory through it. Get more, Father. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. For further information please feel free to check us out at firstpresbyteriansf.org or come and worship with us on Sunday mornings at 1015. We meet at 110 Embarcadero, just a block away from the Ferry Building, and we can't wait to see you.